All right, y'all, let's get going on our first uh, Corinthians Bible study. We're dealing with Paul confronting the divisions that are taking place in the church. And remember, he is, saying, he is confronting their idea of what power means, the way that they're measuring uh, who is powerful, and he's worried that people are uh, standing up for their rights, and in doing so, that they are not dying for their brothers and sisters, and, and the power of the gospel is being compromised because of it. And because they are still seeking earthly way of gaining power, he is afraid that they will fall for anything. And so he's confronting a lot of these things. And so today, are you ready for this? Uh, Chapter 5, he is confronting the church. Uh, The church's acceptance of a guy who is sleeping with his stepmother. And so we'll see him using sexual immorality as a way of dealing with divisions in the church. So, chapter 5, verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Are you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you, For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord. Isn't it interesting that we are taken aback by that statement? We Oftentimes, we're not is appalled or we lose sight of being appalled at this man who is is having sexual relationship with his stepmom. And we go straight to, how can he say, deliver this man over to Satan? We lose the being appalled in one regard for being appalled in another regard. But you'll remember that throughout the text that, that people are turned over to their fleshly desires, right? That there's no sense in... Uh, tr- living in a community that that shares this particular ethic, if um, if if your desire is to do something that is contrary to it, and so he's saying uh, there's a couple of levels here. There's a personal aspect and a corporate aspect, and so for the co- personal aspect, he is confronting this man's sin, and he's saying, "Give him over to Satan." In other words. Give him over to his passions and desires. Let him go. Like, remove him from the church. But he's not saying this is a way of kicking him out of the church necessarily, but ultimately for the purpose of this guy coming to terms with his sin. So deliver him over. Give him to his desires so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So the ultimate goal is that if if you leave him in the church and never confront the sin and you tolerate it, that, that that's actually not a loving position because you are allowing him to do something that will prevent him from being saved in the day of the Lord. But if you confront his sin and say, we are no longer willing to tolerate this in our arrogance, as he says, then what you are doing is forcing him to face his desires and in so, 
that the that his flesh will be destroyed and that his spirit might be saved. You see, a lot of times we're appalled today at the thought of what we've called excommunication, kicking someone out of the church. But this wasn't simply kicking someone out of the church for saying, listen, you're not in the club. The goal of it was restoration. And this is largely what Lent was. Lent has been throughout the history of the church, a time of people being restored to the church who were removed from the church. Because in the restoration implies that them being removed caused them to deal with their sin and to be restored to the church and to the body to the body of Christ. And so it did what it was supposed to do. The problem is today that one, we say, oh, who are we to judge? But two, when when people are removed from the church, um, that that it's just easy to go to the next church. And so because the church isn't necessarily one body as, as God has desired and intended us to be, that it's easy to simply move to a new community and carry your sin from the old community to the new one and never confront your sin. And so in that sense, it's not able to accomplish what it was intended to accomplish and people can go years without really having to to confront their sin, which is why it's really important to communicate as people go to and, and from various churches, that we would be one body and make sure that sin is confronted and not being drug around for people to have to deal with for years and years of their life. And so the same thing goes with the Eucharist. Like if, I, if we know of someone, for instance, who, who is living with unrepentant sin and we're not confronting it, it, it is the loving thing to do to say, listen, and, and you, need to, you need to sit out until it's confronted, until you are restored. And so it's a, but the, again, the assumption is that in that day, in Paul's day, it would, it, to, be with, to, be with, to have to withhold the meal from someone would be like starving them to death. And so you would feel like, oh, if I can't participate in the Eucharist, then it's like I'm starving to death. And that you would, it would beg the question, what must I do? Like, what must I do to be restored? And so the question is today, do we think about the church in such a way? Do we think about, do we hold the Eucharist in, in such regard that to be, have to refrain from participating in it, 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 it doesn't instill bitterness in us against the church for judging us, but instead it causes us to confront our sin and instills a longing to be restored to the community. And that's what Paul is doing here. He says, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his sin. Turn him over so that these desires will be destroyed. Ultimately, when they realize that the longing, the the fulfillment that they're looking for in these desires can never be met so that their spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord by understanding that these needs are only met in the Lord. But also there's a sense of a corporate salvation where they are concerned about how God will judge them as a body when he comes back on that day um, because they have tolerated 
this sin that exists in their body. He talks about cleansing out in, in chapter 5 or 7. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For as Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed, let us therefore celebrate the faith, the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the leavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so he's saying, listen, if there are, if there, if you're tolerating sinfulness in your body, in the body of believers, he's like, it's, it's a contamination to the purity of the loaf of bread. And so he's saying, listen, we have to deal with these things in order that we might be seen as pure before God, but also in the eyes of the world. Like it's essential to our witness because we to tolerate sin is to, in a sense, tell the world a lie about something that has happened. He says, what you do with your body matters. And so uh, you are redeemed. You are a new creation. And so to tolerate sinful behavior that is inconsistent with this is to say that, well, we're not really new creation and what we do with our body doesn't really matter. And that the redemption of Christ that we received um, did not, in a sense, take effect and is not true. And so it's a tell a lie about what has happened, what we have experienced, what we have received in the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus as our Lord. Amen. Thank you guys for joining me. See you next time.